Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I call myself the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And I know my sound, my voice maybe sounds a little bit Barry White-ish, but it has been a long, long day. Um, this week and last week, it's uh, the holidays or spring break or uh, the May holidays, as we call it here in the Netherlands. And uh, mommy and daddy have duties as well. So today was my day to, uh, yeah, to do my mommy duties. And therefore, I am almost tired, but never too tired to have this conversation on let's humanize the workplace. Because the work that I do and also the guest speakers that I bring in, it's all about moving the needle towards better. I've been having interesting conversations lately, and it reminded me of highlighting something that I'm hoping to, not hoping, I want leaders to pay uh, attention to this aspect because this is very detrimental for what's happening now in the workplace when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it has to do with this bingo. So the performative diversity bingo, for those of you who are not aware of performative diversity, basically it is companies, managers, leaders, people who are talking about diversity or trying to seem that they are doing better, but behind the scenes, it's all talk. So remember last year, Black Friday, uh, not Black Friday. Did I say Black Friday? No, I meant Blackout Tuesday. Remember Blackout Tuesday as a way to support those who um, support, you know, diversity in general, but also to support the Black people in general in the workplace. And after that, it has been almost a year and you have to wonder and also hold your company accountable saying, what have we done? Besides only talking about we are trying or besides posting it on social media, what have you done? So I'm going to highlight a few aspects of this, um, of this, this, this bingo. And one of the aspects is a recently conversation that I had about our company is 50% represented by gender diversity or the company contains 50% of gender diversity, whereas the majority are white women. As you know, there are different genders, different people, and you also have to deal with the intersectionality. So that's why I recently shared, I think I shared this this morning somewhere, uh, a post about when we talk about gender diversity, look at the board. Look at the pictures, who are profiting from this and who are you not seeing there? And who are we not seeing? That means that they are not represented. That means that you don't understand their barriers, but also you don't see the different barriers that different people are dealing. And somebody, I think somebody also shared that we need to go beyond gender, right? So there are so many things out there that we need to spend time on. But also another thing, pick your brain, people, leaders, managers, employees. People from the underrepresented group already are dealing with challenges in the workplace and you are asking them if it's okay for you to pick their brain so that you can better understand that. 
That's not how it goes. You need to ask permission first, show vulnerability. And if they say no, respect that. Hire a consultant who can have the conversation or hire a consultant who can hold up the mirror in a loving way. That's another thing. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not free labor. It's hard work. So inviting somebody in for just having conversations, again, invest in your culture, invest in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I can go on and on and on, but the main thing that I want to address and I want to leave with, when you are generally serious about investing in diversity or generally serious about putting diversity where it should be in the DNA of a company, reserve money so that people can invest in improving that culture, reserve money so that you can hire a, a chief diversity officer who also needs a team because just hiring one chief diversity officer won't magically change the culture. They need to do the work and they need to have a team or they need to have a committee or advocates, internal advocates to support them. I just wanted to put that out there. Tonight, also, if you have any questions, go to bit.ly, Viva Call. Uh, it's also mentioned in the comments as well. But tonight, I wanted to highlight something and I brought in three different guest speakers. They are amazing women and they are now freelancers. Um, how is culture fit blocking your organization from growing, your organization from innovating, your organization from excelling, your organization from becoming the top three, top five, top 10, top 25? What are you doing? That's what we are going to talk about. And I'm going to bring up the ladies one by one and also going to pronounce their, um, uh, let me see. I am, it's been a while. Well, it's been a, it's been a while since I've done this. Um, but first up, I'm going to highlight Mariana Pena, who is an instructional designer for purpose-driven online business owners who want to develop their signature program. Next is Audrey Ngosnik. Please correct me, Audrey, if I'm Don't not correct. The N. Well, you can okay. forget the N. Audrey Gomsik. Exactly. Okay, Audrey Gomsik from Trianon Scientific Communication, a consulting firm that helps small, medium uh, companies incorporating corporate social responsibility in their growth strategy. And Golce Organer, she is an entree architect and social entrepreneur devoted to creating positive change inside the profession of architecture. Welcome, ladies. Um, I'm going to start with the first question with Audrey. Why do we need to humanize the workplace, according to you? Okay, so for me, uh, mm -hmm. humanizing the workplace, that means embracing the diverse ways people must, can use or will use to solve a problem, okay? Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you create a stronger entity, okay? And that is the essence of my work, my day-to-day -day work. So the thing is that organization, usually they worry that different personalities, different perspectives and ways of approaching things will create conflict. But what yeah. they forget is that, is that the, the friction, is that is this friction 
that will allow the group to be more than than the sum of its parts. Yeah. You know, it's because they don't agree. That's because they will they will challenge each other that the result is going to be great. Yeah. So just let me give you an example. Okay, I'm a scientist, right? So I'm going I'm going to ask all of you to think like a head of a research group. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're head of a research group, you have a, you want to create to have super results, win win the next uh, Nobel Prize, right? If you have scientists that are all from the same school, the same background, the same area of expertise, this is not going to work. Yeah. Okay. So let, for example, you see the big scientists like Stefan Hawkins, Alan Turing, Rachel Carson, Augusta Bell. They were the exact example. They were the the difference that makes that it made tremendous uh, progress in science since then. So you're all going to experience it. So you're the head of research group, and in your group there is a biologist, a chemist, and a physicist. Okay? So imagine that. And you give them a glass of water. Mm. Okay? The chemist, he will see a liquid full of molecule of H2O, okay, which is an oxygen bond with two two hydrogens. Okay? The physicist, he will see something that is the the water like a liquid that means that the temperature of the room even if it's cold it's not under zero Mm -hmm. because it's not ice yet okay if you give it to a biologist he will look at the clarity of the water to figure out if there is microorganisms in it you see so it's three way of seeing a problem yeah but it's complementary but i I can tell you as a chemist the physicists are weird and the biologists too we all think that each other are weird, but we respect each other and we know that we need all of us to be able to see the entirety of the problem. Exactly. And that is also sustainable development. Okay? Yeah. So I, I will just finish with a joke because everybody is going to know it. So I hope you will laugh. So let's say a biologist, a physicist, and a chemist go to the beach for the first time. Mm-hmm. Okay? The biologist is amazed with the birds, the seaweed, the fish. And she goes and walks in the water to see all this creature, and she, she forgot that she, that she can't swim, and the, the, the water goes on the top of her, and she drops. Okay? The physicist is mesmerized by the waves, their amplitude, their periodicity, you know, and wants to walk in the water to see if the, the strength with which they break is the same near the beach or further away, mm-hmm. and forgets that he can't swim, and then is, the water gets on the top of her, and she drowns. The chemist is sitting on the beach, taking notes on the notebook, and she writes, biologists and physicists are soluble in water. <laughs> Sorry for all the scientists who are listening to this. Thank you. You have one problem, and you need different person to see this problem with different area, even exactly. if they will. They don't like each other because they don't, they don't think the same way. If they feel they respect each other and they know that they need each other to have the completely of the problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. And also know that something to add on, also know that um, the demographics are changing in, within Europe, within every country. So if you are purposely or not unintentionally not hiring people or not hiring you know putting diverse teams together you're lacking 
you are missing out on clients. You are missing out on touching, you know, some audience and you're tapping into some earnings and you're missing out on so much more. So the example that Audrey shared about, you know, the, the impact of diversity and having different thoughts and insights, that's so important. And don't exclude people from that as well. Golche, thank you, Audrey. You're welcome. Yeah, that was wonderful. And I love that you illustrated with the example. And this mm-hmm. is something I fully resonate with. And for me, it definitely means something similar to you in the sense that it is essential to have different people with different backgrounds looking at the same problem from their own unique perspective yeah. and be able to be in a workplace that really celebrates that diversity and doesn't really impose what I like to call quote unquote censorship because one Mm. opinion is seen more superior than another opinion. Now to, you know, give a concrete example from my past working in an architecture office, um, which, you know, we all know is a very male dominated profession. I have the, I have the data in front of me. There's only Mm -hmm. 17% women in the profession of architecture and the rest is predominantly white males. And within that 17% of women, we all know the number of percentage of black women is very small. We know the percentage of people who identify themselves as part of the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. is very, very small. So working in this uh, very male dominated profession for several years, I definitely came to appreciate the importance of diversity so much more because I didn't really get to experience it myself. Mm. I really always had this ideology imposed on me. I didn't really think that my insights or my experience or my background was valuable enough as a Turkish woman working in an architecture office based in the Netherlands, as diverse as the city of Rotterdam is there has always been this underlying conflict and i didn't know better so i thought that was the norm so for me diversity really means being intentional with understanding that people come from different backgrounds and we should be celebrating their opinion even if they don't necessarily align with your way of thinking and celebrate the fact that that's what's so beautiful about it so yeah for me, this I is why it's very important. I can only applaud that. Thank you, Gulture, for sharing that. And Mariana? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you can only keep it to one. <laughs> thoughts and feelings. Um, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed the example mm-hmm. from Dr. Audrey because I heard her saying she. Yeah. She walks into the sea mm-hmm. and the water... Uh, fills up and uh, she drowns yeah I come from education and I've spent the last 15 years of my life studying um, and trying to understand teaching and learning theories in Spanish and English and sadly realizing that at least in the western side of the world we are basically trying to fit the entire population into theories that were developed by white cisgendered old men. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that means 
because that's the, the thought leadership that we are following. That means that the systems and the institutions are being created following that input. Mm -hmm. So knowingly or unknowingly, we are creating and perpetuating systems of oppression. Now, when you come from a country like I do, Mexico, where everybody looks like me, and we try to impose a system that is created for people that don't look like me, then we have a disconnection. Yeah. And then the workplace becomes an unsafe place, Mm -hmm. an unsafe place where you are not welcome to be you, Mm -hmm. let alone to share your thoughts, let alone to be heard. It's just you are not welcome to be you. You have to grow used to assimilating. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are doing that. I mean, I have done that in the past where I became one of them and yes. became a copy of them yes. right yeah. And, yeah and you lose yourself in the process yeah. yeah you lose yourself in the process which leads to a lot of different consequences mm-hmm. you don't know who you are yeah in the back of your of your mind there's always this idea of i'm not good enough yeah. that Sorry. must be the case <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not good enough uh, mm-hmm. because I don't look Same. like these people. I don't look yeah. like this thought leadership mm-hmm. and I will never look like them. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And um, to give you um, some insight of what I did recently. So I was recently asked to curate content for um, an online academy about diversity, equity and inclusion. And again, I hold up a mirror very lovingly, but I will be honest, right? Because that's what you're hiring me for and that's what you get. I will not call out, but I I share with them the perception that I have when it comes to them sharing a diversity training that is only Mm -hmm. told by white people, where white people are addressing the challenges that I, as a black woman, might face or the challenges that somebody from the LGBT community might face. I can definitely give an example of why I chose Amplify DEI because I wanted to bring in different insights. I don't know it all and I don't pretend to know it all. And if there's something that I don't know, I have my friends, my DEI advocates on speed dial and I ask them, honest, What can I do? Is there something that you can do to support this journey so that they have their narrative, the right lens of bringing that information in? Am I, again, I don't know it all, but I know how to activate my people so that they can bring and share their insight. Because the last thing that I can be or uh, or can behave is talk about the LGBT community and not knowing anything about it and might be hurting somebody who is maybe still in the closet. Maybe, maybe he or she or they are, are wanted to hear a personal story or a story from somebody else who faced, you know, challenges in the workplace of coming out or expressing themselves, right? So we have to be very sensitive about what are we bringing and what, what are we role modeling? And even it comes to the little things as having a, um, a bath or a restroom where a transgender male or female feels comfortable. That's how impactful it is. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Okay, coming coming back to the the personal fit, and I all asked you to for the following. So I'll start with Golche. Can you share your personal experience when it comes to cultural fit, and also share an experience that made you leave the company or made you not join the company? One of each, or one 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 or the other. I mean. Yeah, this is a brilliant question. And I feel like when we last briefly spoke about this Mm -hmm. early in the year, I had several wounds that were so fresh and everything would trigger me. And I feel like now I have processed a lot of the information a lot more and I can speak about it in a more candid and open way. Mm -hmm. So in my career, I have switched four jobs in just under three years. Three of the jobs were in architecture and one was in a field of digital marketing. Mm -hmm. In architecture, just the first job I got, I remember how excited I was because as, let's say, quote unquote, studious as I appear, I didn't do so well with my graduation project and all my peers were scoring really high grades and their future, let's say, seemed much more brighter than mine. Mm-hmm. So in this setting, I got my first job and I was so excited. You can imagine like, yay, you know, I didn't, let's say, get the best grades, but I have a job. I'm so pumped. I'm ready to go. Uh, even before I got to the interview and I phoned the office just to make sure they got my application, Over the phone, I heard them saying like, but she needs to speak Dutch. (laughs) And already before I even show up to this interview, before I even say yes to this job, I'm already freaking out because I am comparing myself, my level of Dutch. Obviously, Dutch is my third language. I'm nowhere as proficient in it as I am in Turkish or in English. It takes me time to be able to express myself properly. Mm -hmm. And now I'm already in this mode where I'm, paralyzed because I know that I'm already not good enough simply because I'm not speaking this language fluently. But I pushed through it. I practiced. I showed up to the interview, did everything in Dutch, had two interviews, got the job. So I thought, this is it. Now I'm really worthy. And, you know, they respect me. They want me to be here. They now see that I've put all my effort and now I'm just going to, you know, excel in this hopefully move up the corporate ladder, which was my dream at the time, only to find out that uh, very, very quickly, within a matter of few weeks even, that my opinion wasn't as valued. (laughs) I have one instance that I remember like it was yesterday when we were coming up with some ideas for a specific architecture competition that my boss, the owner of the company, one of the partners, white male, Dutch, very prominent, was sitting behind me. And he could see over my shoulder what I'm working on my screen. And before even seeing what is it that I was putting out there, he started to shout across the room, Gulce, that can I need to do. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Like, wow, you have awesome vision that you saw what I was working on and you didn't even get to hear from me what is it that... I'm working on with my thought process. Mm-hmm. And from there on onwards, I week by week muted myself. I became a lot more agreeable. I became just 
I wanted to really fit in so badly that I would just nod and agree with everything that was being said. So that has been very early in my career. And that right there and then was a very pivotal moment where I knew that as soon as possible, I want to either switch careers or just quit all of this and maybe do something on my own. Which you did. Four years did. later, it's been yeah. a process. And now one of the main things that I do or I try to actively think about is when I do scale my business, I want to be able to create such a wonderful, diverse, open culture where nobody feels like how I felt at that time because that is not a good feeling to have. So that's the first experience. And then the second experience, I will keep this a little bit more brief. The second experience was when I actually switched to a completely different profession in marketing into a part-time job in a nonprofit actually that takes a lot of pride in being so open and diverse and adding a lot to the city of Rotterdam. And when everything around Black Lives Matter happened, because this organization is connected to series of organization, organizations that are actually based in the United States predominantly, there were discussions around these topics. And I remember so vividly us sitting in our office and my leaders and my bosses saying, oh, well, maybe we don't need to join in on this competition because it's more of an America thing. In Rotterdam, we're all very open, diverse and welcoming. I sat there, I listened, and I couldn't say anything because I was just terrified of losing my job because yeah. I was just put in that position where I didn't really feel like I had a voice. And the ironic thing was this was no longer the profession of architecture. This was a completely different profession, completely different field, but yet similar problems were appearing and similar problems were not being addressed. And yeah. I think a number one contributing factor to that was our leader was also coming from a background that was not, let's say, white. She was also coming from a diverse background. And now looking back at all of this, it just hurts me so much more that you as our leader thought that this was the right thing to do. And you also come from a different background. Yeah, but so I have a background to, that needs. I, ha I have to stop you there because there, yeah. there, there are several things that you mentioned that I want to unpack. So yeah. um, because somebody has a different background doesn't automatically mean that they understand or they want to understand or they want to speak up or advocate for the injustice that is happening. An example that I have, a recent example, I think a lot of people within the DEI domain have heard about it, is the report that England, England brought out about not having any racism issues and in, the England should be uh, a role model within Europe. All I know is every country has their uh, exclusion, has dehumanization, has it in some kind of level. Um, and then another thing that you mentioned was nonprofit because they are nonprofit. That doesn't mean that they are human or they, they are striving towards human. 
Yeah. There are companies that behave shitty as in the corporate sector and there are corporate companies that be that know how to behave and know how to treat their people. So um let's let's be careful with you know um there is this proverb that we use in the Netherlands that we as we see one person this one person is the role model for every person that's how they see black people if there is one person who's black and who ruins it in the workplace then they are saying all oh, black people or all oh, this person all oh, xyz is ruining it for that we need to be aware that we don't make those same mistakes as well because we i don't represent you i don't represent audrey i can however sympathize i can however imagine how it is to walk in her shoes but that's it yeah i i really i 100% agree with you and for the longest time i had those misconceptions yeah because in my head in an ideal world not just nonprofits but every country would like every company in any country would keep this in mind and yeah. especially if you are coming from a, let's say a background that is quote unquote perceived as less privileged and sometimes mm -hmm. is less privileged because it is backed by pure data yeah. is that you should be able to put yourself in the shoes of having a bit more intention behind what you say and how you act and lead as a role model. And yeah. just to wrap this up, the thing that hits the most home for me when I asked for like a feedback session before leaving that work, um, she said something that I'm going to probably remember until the day I die. She said, I come from XYZ background. Therefore, when I go to municipality meetings, I need to act in a certain way because I know that those people there, they don't really like me. They just put up with me for professional reasons. And when I heard those words coming out of her mouth, I just knew that I'm just going to be as open as I can. And every time I see or witness or hear something that's not just in my opinion, I'm going to speak up. Exactly. I am going to speak up, even if that means that I'm on the negative side of someone, even if that means I'm losing a job, even if that means things are not going to go well. Um, and it really was a shock. And that was one of the main drivers where I thought, you know what, I'm going to work on my own. I have a lot to process and eventually when I am lucky enough to have a team of my own, I'm going to make sure none of these things I went through continue because yeah. we cannot have a workplace like that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Also, thank you for trusting the, the viewers with that. Mariana. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you have to say regarding, because I know that you came from Mexico and you ended up here in the Netherlands because, well, because of a love interest and your partner. But I also am curious about what has your experience been in the Netherlands when it comes to culture of fit? Oof. Okay, so I don't know how familiarized uh, people who are joining us today are with um, colorism in Latin America and classism problems. Uh, we grow up with them 
um, denying that we have racism issues, but yeah. tr trying to have a conversation around colorism. Um, uh, that being said, even though I was denied from uh, jobs or um, you know new opportunities in the workplace in Mexico because of my skin color, because my curriculum was amazing, but I didn't look how they wanted the person to look mm -hmm. like um, in that position. Nothing prepared me for my first experience with racism. Yeah. Um, I was not prepared. And again, these are things that you can read about, but unless you experience it, you don't understand that. Yeah. Um, and something that you mentioned in the beginning of, of this session was to go beyond gender and to go mm -hmm. beyond race yeah. because our intersections are m way more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, when I think about myself in the workplace, the baggage that I carry with me, it's a lot to handle. Yeah. And I am aware of that. But like I said, when I tried, I tried to join the work, <laughs> workforce here, here in the Netherlands thinking that it would be very doable. Why not? I was a high-end paid working for one of the top universities in Mexico educator. I was leading teams, training new teachers. Um, I was creating curriculum, winning awards, had two master's degrees. I was like, of course they're going to hire me, talking from my own privilege, right? Um, so I thought, I'm going to um, focus on curriculum development. I will send out my application form for a lot of positions that I found for learning and development departments within companies. Mm -hmm. And all of them got rejected. All of them. I was discouraged. It took me six months because applying for a job is a full-time job on yeah. its own. You have to tailor each letter and everything and my husband thought maybe you are not doing it right because I cannot believe that they are not hiring you so of course I started to internalize is on me yeah which is adding another layer layer to the problem right so I thought because I started to read on racism and how hiring processes have been tainted with um, unconscious bi bias and how even the programs that they use to run and screen the applications are also developed by white people, so are yeah. also inherently racist. Um, so I thought, let's run a little experiment here. I was applying for jobs with my full name in Spanish, which is Mariana Peña mm -hmm. Vargas right? So I thought, let's see if this works. Same letter, same curriculum, but I switched up my last name to my husband's last name, yeah. which by the way, is the most common last name in the Netherlands. 
and lo and behold the dutch version got hired and the dutch version the got... dutch version got replies yeah because yeah. my curriculum was a perfect fit for the positions if anything i was overqualified but that's a different discussion mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i started getting calls and when they heard me immediately was like oh oh but i thought you were dutch because the last name yeah so i was completely heartbroken and this was not one instance this was several instances so then i thought again let's run a different experiment i'm an educator uh, one of my master's degrees is teaching spanish as a second language and language acquisition Let's see if I can manage to at least get a job as a Spanish teacher here. So I applied with my Dutch last name. This time that one didn't get a reply, but it's I applied Spanish with name. my Spanish yeah. name yeah. and that immediately got picked up because the more exotic you look, the better. <laughs> because you it's fit great. the part, you fit yeah. the part to be a Spanish teacher. We might have an issue with the fact that you don't come from Spain and you come from Mexico. So in the interviews, the Dutch owners of these schools would ask me questions like, but are you really disqualified? Did you really work in this university? Do you really have this many years of experience? And I sat there over and over again, thinking to myself, this would not happen to a Dutch person. No. These no. questions would never yeah. be a part of this conversation if I were Dutch. You are dealing with the bias surrounding intersectionality. That yes. is you as a woman, a highly educated woman. The, the part that you are come from, um, let's say, come from a continent where they assume they assume there is many no things. higher education. There are soon so many levels. And people, if you don't know Mariana, Mariana is, <laughs> she is a savage teacher. And I've been working with her. It has been, it's a pleasure to work with her. If you know how she can tweak the things that you share with her and tweak it into a program and tweak it into a framework, You'll be amazed as in why companies let this woman go by just sharing who you are, what you do, and what makes you tick. She knows how to create a framework around that. And it's a loss. It's definitely a loss. But having this conversation, I hope that those who are in hiring positions understand that you are letting somebody leave your company and also know that when this person leaves your company or, or has uh, a negative connotation with your company, you are damaging the company brand for not only for now, but for future references as well. So thank, thank you, you, Mariana. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey. Yeah, I am um, I'm, uh, shocked because <laughs> we have all similar experience. So we am yeah. French, okay? So actually, it should be easier because I'm French. I mean, I'm from Europe, the main continent. It should be way easier. And I'm amazed how we have the same experience. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. so as you, 
Um, so me, me the, the all the picture and everything, of course, when you are in science, often you have a first round or interview, which is over the phone, where you present a project, and so no problem. And then when you go there, having the, the door locked at your face saying, oh, I couldn't hear that you were black. Yeah. Okay, fine. So my PhD supervisor at the time told me, put a picture on your CV, because then all the asshole will call you. You know, it's less painful. And, yeah. and she was right. So the thing is, so I'm not going to come back to the same experience than yours because I had exactly the same. But the thing is, outside Europe, I'm the French. And I'm hired because, so as a scientist, the luck that you have is that you, have, you know something that nobody else knows when you have a PhD. So you're hired for that, okay? Yeah. So outside Europe, I am the French, I'm the scientist, experience, of course, uh, you, you have things, but that's fine. That's definitely fine. In Europe, and I, and I worked in the Netherlands too, so that's funny, you have two things. So, so we have two uh, different experiences. The one before I reached strategic position, and the one when I reached strategic position, okay? Yeah. So let's start with the first one. The first one, I'm, I was the person that people recall too much, okay? So I thank my parents to have made me not being very... Uh, self-aware about black and racism and everything. They have been amazing about that because I actually realized what was racism was when I was an adult, okay? Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I had, I had souvenirs before and I talked to my parents and I realized that was from way before. But I actually realized it when I was an adult. So as a researcher, as a person not in strategic position, okay, I was the person that recalled too much and usually, that was my value proposition. So hire they see that the interview and they like it, okay? Hire they don't like it and they don't hire me, okay? So usually they will, they will say, yes, she's too loud, too honest, too energetic, she asks too many questions, she's too vibrant, she's too smart, too intense. You're too human. Uh, but, uh, too, but at the same time, she's like, she's really reliable, she understanding people like working with her, so she's going to make us work, uh, you know, have disruptive innovation and go forward. And people will take me because of that. And then yeah. they realize that I completely fit in the culture. I'm just making people move. Okay. Yeah. And as a, as a, so this very proposition was really fantastic uh, when I was not a static position. And, and I had to thank my PhD supervisor who actually made me own it. She made me own it because I was starting like you to fit in, you know, be uh, louder because I had my first experience of racism a couple of years before and so I realized that you have to fit in and she's the one who made me own it and I will always thank her for that okay then you reach strategic position okay and then the problem starts for me it started really starts for me so usually they will tell you we want people to think in the box and outside the box that's still okay but without the box this is not okay at all but when you work in innovation that's a problem Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're able to do the three of them, they don't like it. In fact, depending at certain level and depending on the, so the level depends on the organization, they will tell you at executive level, we want peers, meaning people we feel comfortable with, people that look like us. Okay, so when I'm with you, you're challenging and I, you, you know, when you, when I ask what, why are you doing that like this? And they answer because we always did it like this. Um, yeah. like, Ready? <laughs> they don't like it. So at executive level, they want peers. 
So that means that at the beginning, I started to tune down myself. Okay. And then I'm like, no. I mean, and especially in my, in my uh, line of business, it's changed, change. So there's no way. I'm to, and so I left and I decided to, to co-create my company. Okay. And the thing is, I'm a little bit like Hugo Chases. That means that I want to, when, I, when I'm going to scale it up, is to have a company where the leaders, okay, will inspire people to dream mm -hmm. more, to be yeah. more, and to become more. You know, yeah. there's uh, not to be, a, because the thing is that when you're a good leader, you hire someone who does things that you don't know how to do, to make you, your team complete, and not someone who is like you, you know, and so that is something that is, people need to be taught that. Yeah. That's killed, that's what kills organizations. So well, that's the example I'm going to take, but girls, I had exactly the same than you. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I listened to all of you when we were just having a conversation and realized that there's so much more out there, but a lot of organizations don't provide a safe space where people can express. And if they express, they are seen as the whistleblower. And if they are seen as the whistleblower, then most of the times within, let's say, three to three months to one year, they are the ones leaving the company quietly or with a lot of bombardly and you're leaking clients, you're leaking talent and it touches, it affects so many other people around them. I mean, look at what happened to Tipnet Gabriel last year with this whole Google thing, with yeah. this whole bias. And also Mariana mentioned something about bias. Um, if you haven't seen the Netflix coded bias, please watch why we need to be aware of the bias and also please listen or watch to watch the episode that I did with uh, Michael Grunewald regarding bias and hiring or AI and hiring because um, some tools, some software are excluding amazing people just based about the color, just based about where they educated and just based upon where they live. And you are missing out on so much. Given the time and given, you know, that you all had so, a lot to share, I want to ask you a, a one, one question before we go to the final question. Um, to make it short and sweet, Mariana, what can organizations gain from hiring for culture app? Different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. Depth. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. And also Audrey, <laughs> I mean, Audrey, Audrey mentioned in the beginning what it means to have the power of different perspectives. So if you missed that, please watch the replay or please listen to that aspect because uh, the example that you shared in the beginning, Audrey, was amazing for people to understand that we need the different perspectives so that we can see an apple from different phases you can eat an apple you can juice an apple you can put an apple in a smoothie and that will you know burst different taste buds and give different uh highlights to an apple you can even bake it in a pie so there i said it i mentioned <laughs> pie <laughs> check <laughs> gold chain what do organize what can organizations gain from hiring for culture at 
Yeah, I think I definitely agree with Mariana. Different perspective, valuable insights, mm -hmm. and just different way of seeing the world. And by you know exposing yourself to different culture and being open-minded about it, you can hopefully also get a little bit interrogative. You yeah. know, ask yourself like, oh wow, I learned this new thing about this culture. How like what do I think about it? And I didn't know that before. Now that I know. How am I going to act differently or how am, how is this going to inspire me and add a different element to my personality and hopefully, you know, allow me to be a better person. And I definitely do think that when organizations are hiring for diversity, that they should genuinely have that be part of their work culture and not just do it like you mentioned in the beginning, just to tick off some sort of bingo. It's not a game. If anything, hmm. if, if we think yeah. this is a game, we're all playing to lose. Yeah. yeah, that's it's yeah. not a game. So I definitely think that there should be the perspectives that are being appreciated and that this diversity becomes an inherent part of the work culture, because that's the only time it's going to work. Otherwise, it's just going to fall short, because I also had that experience in another architecture company where I was hired basically for the pure fact that I was from Turkey and they just wanted someone from Turkey on their website just to kind of break off the pattern. But if this they is wanted, how they're They wanted to change it, the optics. They wanted to change the optics and people can look behind yeah. the optics. So just to give you a tip, if you are using stock photos to fill in your company or if you are using stock photos that or photos that contain uh, people that don't work there anymore and they they you know they made that let's say that these elements of people made your company seem as diverse just a hint if you go to LinkedIn go to the company page look at who's working there look at the people who are working there look at the people who are who, your future people right that you're working with that will give you a better insight into how diverse a company is just as a tip yeah. Audrey. for me i, I will uh, talk about innovation okay so mm -hmm. the thing is that the science there is a social science study showing it so if you want to know which one i will give it to the translator if you have an homogeneous group they are mm -hmm. super performant for low difficulty tasks okay because they talk the same they think the same they quit they think it's the, the answer to it very quickly now, if you talk about high difficult tasks, you know, with uncertainty, complexity, uh, high demand of, of, of processing, which is by essence innovation, yeah. the, the team that are not, that are diverse, okay, diverse background, et cetera, always consistently perform better. And the, yeah. best, the best example is look at the company who performed the best last year during COVID-19. They, yeah. And you look at their at their sea level, they yeah. all company with different uh, backgrounds. So that is super important. So but even if in love, opposite attract, it seems that at work, <laughs> this track, which is really bad. <laughs> okay, that's, so, that's, that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. I also want to, um, <laughs> this is a different perspective that I want to bring in when it comes to culture at if what you have been doing working in a creating a homogeneous culture creating homogeneous teams and 
once in a while you tend to hire a person that is different from the norm. How long are they staying? What are they doing? Look at your pipeline. Look at the leakage because that's where you are losing money. It takes a while for that person to come accustomed to a culture, to the work way and to create, to innovate, right? Sometimes it takes six months to a year and sometimes two years. If a person leaves within two years, you already wasted money. You already lost your time. And I know a lot of companies are putting so much money into hiring, into onboarding, into bringing people in, but how to make them stay or not make them stay how to show them love so where is the love factor after the 90 days where is the love Definitely. after one year where is the love after uh, you know the, the that one and a half year invest in that as well it's about nurturing not wheeling your fish in also nurturing your fish your people the yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, that's so beautiful mm-hmm. i i really hope that enough people heard this and they will continue to hear this and hopefully it will eventually hit home. It has to hit home because if it doesn't hit home, I can predict that within 10 years, um, there will definitely be a dynamic shift. And you can all, you already notice that shift with in millennials, they are being labeled as being tired or being labeled as they have high demands. No, they know what the power of diversity, equity, inclusion is. And that's why they are seeking for companies that are really walking the talk instead of just pasting it on their website, assuming that you can fool people. If you want to fool people, please use the performative diversity bingo. That's where, that's how you can fool people. But if you want to, you know, showcase real authentic diversity, then go beyond the spectrum and walk the talk. And of course, if you need support, there are so many DEI advocates out there, so many DEI consultants here who can support you in your journey. We are not saying you have to walk this journey alone as long as you're taking a journey to move forwards. That's it. So, yes, <laughs> Mike, Michael is saying, what have you done for me lately? Right. That song. I don't know who. Jenna Jackson. Jenna Jackson. Exactly. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Exactly. Remember that. So I have something I am totally i i could have talked for two hours or longer and there's so much there to unravel but i'm just grateful that you all shared amazing personal highlights and also shared uh, unique stories about what caused you to leave or what caused you to not be hired and i hope that people are taking notes to do better and to really bring in the aspect of authenticity, bringing the aspects of vulnerability and bringing the aspect of empathy, but also first and foremost, work towards inclusive workplace. So thank you all for making that happen. I also want to highlight something and I have a surprise, a small surprise. Well, the people that already know me might be aware of that surprise, but I'm dropping a small crumb here. It's not small. It's called Amplify DEI. So it's coming back in September. And let's say that next week I'm dropping the call for proposal for speakers. So if you are a speaker and if you are passionate about 
advocating for diversity, equity, inclusion, stay tuned. That's it. Thank you for watching this episode and you can listen to it. You can watch the replay. Also, please share with other people. I am always grateful for the people that listen and watch it. And first and foremost, always grateful for the amazing guest speakers that share their insights to move the needle and to humanize the workplace. So thank you all for watching and until the next time. Bye, everybody.